Welcome to the Autism and Neurodiversity Podcast. We're here to bring you helpful information from leading experts and give you effective tools and support. I'm Jason Grigla, a licensed counselor and founder of Techie for Life, a specialized mentoring program for neurodiverse young adults. And I'm Debbie Grigla, a certified life coach. And maybe most importantly, we're also parents to our own atypical young adults. Hi, friends. I am so excited to be talking with you on my first solo episode of our podcast. I love this community. I really enjoy working with neurodiverse young people. I think they have unique and special things that they add and contribute to our society. And I love mentoring and coaching and helping them into their fullest capabilities. I also know one of the best ways to help the neurodiverse among us is to help and support you, their parents and mentors and collaborate with other professionals and those working with this population and their parents. And whether you have a loved one who was recently diagnosed and you're completely new to all of this and just trying to get your bearings, or you're a seasoned veteran in this community, I want you to know that we've got you. You are in the right place and you are among friends here. Parenting a son or daughter with a diagnosis where their brain processes a little differently than others, others within the typical bell curve, can be very challenging, amazing, and challenging. You love them. You want the best for them. You just want them to be happy and have the best life they're capable of having. It's something that all parents want. It's just that throwing a neurodiverse type diagnoses into the mix complicates things. We're all doing the best we can. But it can be really hard to know what to do, whose advice you should take, what's the right parenting approach, what school or program should you enroll them in, what therapy or treatment is right, what meds or vitamins or diet is going to be the thing that helps. And there's a lot of conflicting advice and approaches out there. Who should you listen to? What's going to be the right thing for your child? And even with all the resources and advocacy groups, organizations, and things, neurodiverse parenting can feel very lonely. It can be hard to find people and friends that can even a little bit relate to what you're going through. I know for me, There were many times that I felt like there is just nobody that gets what I'm going through and what I'm experiencing. And it didn't matter how much I tried to explain or share. They just, they couldn't understand or comprehend it. But wow, you can always find people who are full of advice for what you should be doing. And there's lots of unsolicited criticism available at every turn. And The worst thing is you can always run into people that give you that look. You know the look I'm talking about. That look that just makes you want to cringe and shrink and hide in shame and crawl into a hole and never come out. Or it triggers that mama bear in you and you just want to fight back and give them a piece of your mind. Because, you know, that always wins over people. Yeah, hard no on that one. 
We raised our neurodiverse boys into adulthood. So besides our professional experience working with neurodiverse young adults at our school, Techie for Life, Jason and I have firsthand experience parenting children with autism, ADHD, learning disabilities, social-emotional challenges. But we did come into our experience a little differently. Um, We came in as foster parents. We've fostered six boys over the years, and we ended up adopting three of them. Of course, never expected or planned to do that, but we picked up three awesome ones along the way. And all of these foster kids had different challenges and diagnoses, as well as traumas added on top of that, as you can imagine. Our first foster child happened to be placed with us when I was just 24 years old. I was a total newbie mom, suddenly taking care of this little six-year-old stranger living in my home. And I was so determined to help this little guy. I truly gave it my all. I was always reading parenting books and self-help books, and I tried to follow all the conventional advice out there. And I was always coming up with new behavior modification systems. I did the token system. I did sticker charts. I did positive parenting. And I would start like an approach, and things would seem to be working. And I would get so excited. Okay, this is going to be the thing that's just going to really help our boys. But then I noticed a consistent pattern popping up. You know, I'd be thinking, oh, this is working. And then about three months in, it clearly was not working. But I'd keep thinking, I must not have the right system or the right approach. And I'd be back to the drawing board. And I would try another and another and another. I would take them to different therapists. And my boys that we adopted, they... They, we got them when they were seven and eight, and they came from an, an abusive background and had been bounced around from group home to foster home to group home and, and then to us. And um, gosh, I would take them to therapists and about three appointments in, I think, okay, we're finally going to get some help and support. And then they would say, you know, their issues and challenges are just a little bit above what I'm comfortable with, and I need to refer you to somebody else. Oh, crushed. Like after the third time of that happening, I was like, okay, there's not help there for me through through finding the right therapist. And we would try different meds and we would, you know, just all these different things. And I would be pushing for my kids and the different foster kids, every one of them, we got them on IEPs and I would just be fighting for these children that I was taking care of. And I was advocating and advocating and advocating. And I got to tell you, all of it was just exhausting. I don't know how I kept doing it. And I, no matter how hard I tried, I always felt like I was coming up short. I think the hardest part of it all was just, I would feel the expectations of their teachers and principals, the therapists, family, even my husband, Jason. But the hardest expectations that I probably suffered the most from trying to meet were my own expectations. As a mom, I could just find the right treatment, the perfect school or teacher, the the right diet or medication, something. Then my kids would be okay. And then I could feel that I was doing a good job as a mom. The truth is, and this is really, really important to understand. The truth is, 
there is no right way. There is no one right way to do it. Our brains like to think there is, and it's perfectly normal if you've been thinking this too. Our brains want to believe that there is a right way, because then if we find it, then then we'll be happy, and everything will be okay, and the world will be full of rainbows and daisies. And you can hear, like, just as I'm saying this, how ridiculous it sounds. It's just not how the world works or, or how things are. There's simply no right way. There's just you in your human experience and your loved one having their human experience. And that human experience involves circumstances that we have lots of thoughts about that trigger feelings and emotions. And then we show up and do life and experience the results that we create from that. When you finally decide to let go of having to do it right or consistently looking for the right way, it frees you up to choose how you want to be, not only in your parenting experience, but how you want to be in your life. Because look, you could do all the right quote unquote things an expert suggests, say in a book. But if you're doing it, while feeling resentful, for example, you are not going to get the result you're looking for. And on the flip side, you could totally bungle the words or the actions an expert tells you to say and do. Totally get it wrong, but do it from a place of love in your heart, and you're still going to get some pretty positive results. It always comes down to how you are as you're parenting. So much more than the particular words you're saying or the action that you're taking. Another example of this is, like I could say to you, you are so awesome from a place of just absolute love and adoration. Or you could say the exact same words, you are so awesome with sarcasm and disdain, right? This is an exaggerated example, but the truth is how I say those words and the emotions I say them with, it affects my experience saying them and the results of saying those words to someone. I used to struggle so much. What I used to do a lot of and what I see other parents and those that I coach doing a lot is focusing so much attention and time and energy and emotion on things that we have no control over. Because let's face it, we have very little control over our kids as parents. We really can't make them do anything. We can teach, nurture, mentor, advise, encourage, model, try to influence, give consequences. But ultimately, our kids are going to think and feel and act however they're going to do that or however they want to. We have control over what we teach, but we have zero control over whether they actually learn it or not. We also have no control over the other adults we encounter. We can't control how their teacher teaches or what a therapist does or what other people think of us. We can try to influence and advocate and teach, but ultimately, the only thing we have real control over is ourselves. And when you're willing to do the work on yourself, 
manage your mind, process your emotions, you know, the hurts, the anger, the anxiety, the fears and worry, and practice showing up from a place of love and compassion, not only for your loved one, but also for yourself. You've just changed the game. One of the coolest things that can come from the neurodiverse parenting gig is who you can become in the process of overcoming challenges. When you're willing to make mistakes and work on yourself and grow and become an evolved version of yourself, you can't help but impact and bless the lives of your children and everyone else around you. And this is not easy work to do, but it is so worth it. And it's way easier than all the suffering that comes from the alternative. I can promise you that. So join with us and let's have some fun as we do this journey together. That's what I have for you in this first solo episode of mine. And I've got lots of good stuff to share with you in future episodes. I hope you have an amazing week. Take care. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Autism and Neurodiversity with Jason and Debbie. If you want to learn more about our work, come visit us at jasondebbie.com. That's J-A-S-O-N-D-E-B-B-I-E.com.